I'm gonna trick former guest Ben into making us a theme song. That's it. Okay. Better, closer, warmer. Uh, all modern art is communistic. I want to be the first man to nut in space. Fuck you. Fuck off. Where are we finding it? Why can't we Better, find it? Closer, Why do you guys warmer. keep saying all this change? We're playing Fortnite. Let's have fun. We need to get to that post-World War II mentality where Better, closer, no one in the warmer. world is going to Twitch and typing in climate first. Don't tweet us about how our stuff's inaccurate. At this point, I don't think the N-word tape would change anything. The piss tape might. From New Orleans to New York. It's the Alienos Podcast, baby. Dude, that was TNT. Welcome back to the Illennials Podcast. I am Smith. I'm Seth. And I just want someone to be kind to me. Mr. Movies, Ben. Congratulations. 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 Spoilers. <laughs> you skipped to the end. Speaking of uh, Mr. Movies, I did watch an uh, anime-related movie okay. uh, earlier this week. I thought I'd bring it up. Uh, I watched Perfect Blue. For the Ooh, first time, I which is still have not which seen is, that one. I highly recommend it. However, it is more terrifying than I initially thought going in. And what's so scary about it is, I'm not going to give any spoilers or anything, but it's just first off, anyone listening, watch Perfect Blue. It's like a quintessential anime film out there. I think it's on the same same level as uh, Akira in terms of like influence. Mm-hmm. Except it came out a little bit afterwards, but it's so grounded in reality. I mean, compared to like shows like Dra- like Dragon Ball and Evangelion. Yeah. Basically, it's about a woman getting stalked, and that's all I can really say without giving too much away. But it is terrifying. <laughs> so I-, I recommend that one right off the bat. Oh yeah. I would say also check out Satoshi Kon's later movies, uh, Millennium Actress and Paprika. Especially, I love Papri- Paprika. It's a great fucking yeah. movie. Satoshi Kon heard- is very good. I've heard good things about uh, Paprika. I want to. I want to watch that one. But now we are oh. on Evangelion episodes yeah. twenty five and twenty six. The final two episodes of Evangelion, hailed as one of the best conclusions to any <laughs> television show ever. <laughs> ben, I got before we before we go episode by episode. I just gotta know when you started this show. What did you think the chances were that it would end in a series of still images, essentially? <laughs> and then a redo of the show as a sitcom? And then whatever the fuck it was at the end? Uh, I would say 2%. <laughs> I was thinking there's a 2% chance of uh, it coming to a conclusion like this. Because going into this... All I really knew about Evangelion was that the initial ending of the show was mired in controversy. And as we got closer and closer to the end, I started putting some things together. And it's just seeing the style of the show. And I started thinking, okay, so this is something that I don't think anyone dies that is controversial. Because I think this would be a show where something like that could be praised. It's going to do some weird avant-garde bullshit that's going to split half the audience. And I think I was I think I was pretty close to my initial assessment. And yeah, it was uh it it was interesting to to say the least. The the show 
we'll get into it in a minute, but just to, just to start us off here with episode 25, The Ending World, slash, Do You Love Me? Yeah, both good names. Just, what a... What some titles, man? Come on. Yeah. And it starts off relatively grounded with Shinji feeling guilt for killing Kaoru at the end of episode 24. Yeah. And at first it's being told entirely through text, on the, like a silent movie basically, where it's like giving you text, showing you images, giving you text, showing you images. And, you know, we went to get a repeat, a repeat of what uh, Katsuragi said at the end of the last episode about how he gave up the, the will to live and therefore it was okay to kill him. You know, Shinji's will was stronger. But Shinji asks, you know, was he a person and also are angels people? Good question that we're asking in the penultimate episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we start to dive into uh, where the show de- departs from the structure we have seen thus far. And we go, we have seen some glimpses of characters' inner lives, mostly Shinji. But here we see, this is where the episode become the two episodes become just Shinji's internal thoughts as the Human Instrumentality Project reaches its culmination and Gendo's plan uh, unfolds. Yeah, and we also get some, as we're starting to delve deeper into his psyche, we're starting to get like these really you know deep fried images, they call them online, where things are like very, <laughs> very stretched out and have a, it's like 25,000 filters on top of them. And it, mm-hmm. it just really starts to put you into a different um space before like asuka and ray start um doing their whole thing yeah it's very psychedelic i when i first saw that happening i'm like all right here we go yeah here we go a lot of uh reused animation just uh just altered a bit so you throw some uh snapchat filters on top of it yeah and uh just change it up just a little bit to get to get us through 22 minutes They question Shinji to why he why he pilots the Ava, and he says he does it to, for the praise of others. He wants to, people to depend on him and feel valued uh, by other people. And then Asuka appears and calls him out and is like, "No, you're still being selfish. That's that's just that's still for you. Yeah, other people praising you is something you want. Exactly. And then Ray is like, "But you do the same thing, Asuka. <laughs> yep. We see a, a brief flash of the, the physical world um, where uh, Asuka is trapped in unit, zero, in unit 2 and can't make it move. And she believes no one will want her if she can't pilot an Ava. Yeah. And yeah. They, they're all going through these feelings of um, inadequacy. And um, Ray mentions her fear of being alone. And it's... Uh, it's it's the thing is, I've watched this a couple of times now, so I'm I thought every time I watch it, I'm like, okay, I know what I'm getting into, but still, every time I watch these last two episodes, it just it just really surprises me. I mean, I'm I'm always interested in Ben. What th- these this first like ten minutes when you realize that we're not really in the same structure of the show we are before. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you, what were your thoughts during this time when everyone's just Sounding off. Yeah, just talking. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I've already kind of gotten used to this mech show not actually being about mechs <laughs> fighting <laughs> uh, fighting monsters. So it didn't really catch me that much off guard. But it is hitting a topic that I feel like a lot of us nowadays really kind of relate to. I know me personally, just those feelings of like 
those feelings of depression, loneliness, feelings of inadequacy. There's just there's a lot of imposter syndrome going on right now. Uh, like you have people like Ray, because like Ray especially kind of hits me close. She's like she's afraid of being lonely, but also at the same time throughout the show, she never really made. Uh, she had never really took much of an opportunity to really reach out to other people and try to make other friends, yet she's still afraid of ending up lonely, yet she's not striving to try to fix any of that. And I've kind of caught myself in that loop a little bit, a lot throughout my life. It's like, hey, why am I by myself? Oh, yeah, because I don't talk to anybody outside of my close, limited friend group. So a lot of this was really starting to hit, and it, it felt like I, I started to feel like I was kind of being analyzed, too. It's like, was this show made? to call me out at the ripe age of 28 when I finally sit down and watch the show when I should have already watched it 10 years ago. And I, I've, if, if I would have watched this in like high school graduating, I feel like, especially this episode, like some of the self-analyzation going on with a lot of the characters probably would have helped me out a little bit. It probably would have helped me put some things together. It's like, I can't end up like this. I can't end up like Ray and Asuka. So... Honestly, like, I know a lot of people are, like, mixed on this. Like, no, we want, like, a big climactic battle at the end. But just there's a, there's a battle going on inside, you know, and you can't really ignore that. And those aren't one with punches. They're one, <laughs> they're one with love. <laughs> so the cliff notes of Ben's thing is, one, all high school seniors should watch Neon Genesis Evangelion. And two, apparently Shinji is a fine role model because he said he didn't want to end up like Rei or Asuka. But Shinji, A-OK in Ben's mind. Be like Shinji. <laughs> well, that's, 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 that's just Ben being, uh, being sexist. You can't, that. You, can't, you, can't, you can't get in trouble if you don't get in any trouble in the first place. Mm. But yeah. Because we, I, I we like see Ray, Ray 1, 2, and 3 are all having a conversation with one another about this, about their different perspectives. And it's so fun to see a common theme in these episodes is a contradictory stances on things. You know, like, Ray says that she, you know, is afraid of loneliness, but also doesn't want to be with people, as you said. Mm -hmm. And then also we see her talk about how she is who she is because of who she is, but also she's only who she is because of other people. And the links that she's made, and that's what made her a person, and not just, what does she say she, she is? She says she is a, a person with a forged soul made by Gendo Akari, a fake pretending to be a person. Yeah. And she calls, um, they all refer to themselves as the, the object referred to as Ray. They don't say yeah. the person Ray or me Ray. They say the object referred to as Ray, which is obviously very telling of how um, all the Rays feel about themselves in the eyes of Gendo and the other, any other character who knows about their, their story. And her part poses an interesting question, which is the, probably the basis of a lot of this conversation, which is, what are we without other people? And are we anything without other people? Yeah. This episode hits a little different every time yeah. you watch it. And it, it, it actually asks some pretty cool questions. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, Ray longs for death and a return to the void, but Gendo won't let her die because uh, <laughs> she has not done what he needs her to do yet. Mm -hmm. um, and she's going to be abandoned very soon, but she, when she wasn't afraid of that before, now she is. Yeah. And then we see another another flash to the real world where Gendo tells her that the day has come for her purpose to be fulfilled. Yep. And the instrumentality begins. Mm. And by begins, I guess he means not much is happening. Uh, or if something is happening, it's happening off screen. Yeah, because 
as much as we learn about the instrumentality, we don't necessarily see what is really happening in the world. Mm -hmm. We both we mostly just see Shinji's perspective and the images of everyone else. Well, now that we're here, what is <clears throat> the instrumentality? Is a way to replace the parts of humans that are not good enough and that are not perfect. And mostly the heart. Fill the void in the human heart through a process called instrumentality. <laughs> and what is that process? Uh, what, what is happening uh, right now? You know, a bunch of, a bunch of legalese, fine print, uh, <laughs> I I imagine that Shinji is sitting in a in a, a box. Mm. It's kind of what I imagine. That's what the instrumentality looks like. Well, you know, I've been saving this for a while now, but the the, the word instrumentality comes from the novels of sci-fi writer Cordwainer Smith from the fifties. Uh, where he had a thing in his universe called the Human Instrumentality Empire, which was a uh, far future civilization where uh, a, a sort of like stagnancy had come over humanity, mm -hmm. uh, a un union of all humans. And there were these under beings, these animal people who were forced to be our slaves and stuff like that. And the instrumentality was this sort of like all humans un unified as one you know, state. And then the eventual sort of decline of that civilization was a big focus of what his what his writing was about. But that's how he stole the, they didn't steal it from. They took they took the name from, and he his works had a lot of influence in Asia because he was stationed in Asia in the army, and his books kind of caught on over there in a weird way, especially among people like Anno who read his stuff when he was younger. Interesting. So there were some nerds watching this who were like, "I know exactly what's going to happen when they see human instrumentality." <laughs> I mean, so Ben, I'm curious. What do you think it is? Whew, that's a that that that, that that's a loaded question. Uh, part of me wants to say uh, what Seth said. Uh, also, part of me, basically, instrumentality is when you get a bunch of humans, you put them in a melting pot, and you, you you give it you give it a good mix. You pour some salt. You pour some spice in there. Uh, you get yourself a nice stew going. Yeah, you throw a chicken bone in there. You got a stew going. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then you pour it out, and it's just one big, uh, one big. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just one big lumped mass of everybody together. So it's now it's it's one mind, and uh, they're they're working to. I I don't fucking know. I don't fucking know. I finished this show. I've watched every episode at this point at least two times, and I still don't. I still don't know. I don't understand. And I'm at this point. I'm too afraid to ask what it is. The movie will explain. Don't worry. Okay. Um, nice. We see Katsuragi and Ritsuko dead. Uh, both shot. It seems. Yep. No uh, it, explanation for how that happens. Is that? Is that like canon that happens in the show or is that just like just random images that we're seeing? So separation is the root of all anxiety and fear that humans experience. The the distance from one another is what creates our feelings of, of uh, fear of rejection. Okay, did but he, you didn't did answer, answer my question. question? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't answer my question. Is, uh, did, did that happen? 
Uh, were they shot? What's going on? Uh, there are voids in our heart that can't be filled so long as we're apart. Um, okay. But people will always be apart as long as they're people. Okay. Are these, are these seal lyrics? It's not lyrics <laughs> to a seal song. A Sele song, you mean? <laughs> yes, and they're all here with Sele. Risco and Kotsaragi have an argument about consent, about do people consent to this process happening or yeah. not? Can, you, can it be forced on people? Um, and then... One thing I love is that when we do the, we get into the Katsuragi kind of flashback or in her mind, whatever you want to call it, the music shifts wildly. It becomes mm-hmm. this weird, like, I don't even really know how to describe what genre it falls into. It's kind of jazzy, kind of nightclubish, but just very different from the very heavy and emotional music we've been getting the whole time. Um, which is funny because it kind of lines up with the fact that whenever we're in Katsuragi's apartment, we also get a big shift in music. Um, from the regular show, you know that da, 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 that song. Um, mm-hmm. and you know you, and this is where we get into you know some crazy questions about Katsuragi and Kaji's relationship. Um, including like, does does she does she want to have a similar relationship with her father? And then they're like, she's like, whoa, 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 everybody be cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is how she's having sex with a guy. Come on, <laughs> let's all calm down now. Not everything has to be because of daddy issues. Let's slow your roll. Yeah. Except it does. Um, (laughs) Katsuragi is... They talk about how there are pieces of everyone and everyone else, which is a a callback to an earlier part of the show. They talk about the images we all have of one another. And Katsuragi says that she wanted to be a good girl uh, for the sake of her mother and her father, but she hated her father for being away, making her mother sad. Yeah. And she said that she decided to, that she didn't sleep with Kaji because he was like her father. It was because he accepted her for who she is in reality, unlike everyone else. Which I think is a much more optimistic way to look at that relationship. And I that is it. That's my head canon. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Same. Yeah. She says she was tired of being clean and pretty, and that she wanted to be dirty. Mm. And we we see Shinji watching her have sex with Kaji off screen. She was, and t- <laughs> she was tired of being simple her. and clean. That that's how I felt after uh, playing Kingdom Hearts three. I'm tired of this shit. <laughs> what? what the fuck? <laughs> Kingdom Hearts three is not good. It's not a good game. It is not good. <laughs> I, I try. I gave it thirty hours. It's uh, <laughs> it's not great. It's wow. not great. That's my official review. Ben snuck his Kingdom Hearts 3 review into this. I've been wanting to talk about this for four years, man. I can't (laughs) hold it in anymore. There's a great moment here where where she's telling Shinji not to look, but he is looking. And then she, but there's another part where we're saying, no, please do look. I want to show you this. I want to show you, I want to show my father this. I want everyone to see me like this. Yeah. Yeah, This Mm -hmm. is the part of the episode where. I got up to get a snack. I kind of just <laughs> went out and smoked. I don't even own cigarettes. I found one, smoked one. <laughs> it's like, I went on the ground. Yeah, I just smoked a random <laughs> ground cigarette to get my mind off of some of the shit I was seeing. The weird part was when it cut to Shinji at one point and he had a camera uh, up to his hip, 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 head. And I was like, Shinji, what are you doing? Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> 
she gets very real here talking about how Kaji attracted her because he was like her father and that there is a, a dark sort of bliss to be found in, in indulging your desires um, to be dirty, essentially, and yeah. to be dirty. All right, Freud. Uh, yeah. Which kind of reminds me of what of what Asuka said uh, after being hit with the uh, the mind rape beam when she said, you know, I'm dirty now, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it's fucked up, y'all. Uh, there's some real yeah. shit happening right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so now we get more um, of Asuka and the her fucked up. There's one great image in Asuka's... Oh, go ahead. Before, before we move on, I just want to say, Kajiragi's segment ends with her... Like, we reveal that she replaced Kaji with Hugo. Yeah. And she asks herself, like, was she using people or was she being used? And can it be both? Can humans be the con- the contradictions continue to sort of like define these characters? Yeah. Um. And yeah, I was just gonna talk. I'm kind of skipping to the end of Oscar's thing. We can talk more about it. But there's just one really striking image where you see um, her walk in on her mom hanging herself again. This time, her mom has like this weird smile on her face, and the like the way they shoot it is the the floor is like all red, and it and every, all the red is like projecting up onto the mom and onto Oscar's face, and it is an incredibly haunting image that kind of sticks with you. And because we, it's the second time we've seen or almost the third time we've seen the fate of Oscar's mom. And um, every time we got, we get a new layer to it. And this image kind of just slams all that together um, and kind of, kind of puts a bow on the way we should see Oscar's past. Yeah. And just the fact that, when like we've seen it a couple of times now, but every time she walks in, sees the image of her mother hanging there and she just has that smile just kind of frozen on her face. Like, you know, and and, like it's still there after she has processed what's happening. It's kind of like, it's kind of like her face just kind of frozen that way. She doesn't really know how to respond to this. Just, just also cutting from that image to that image in itself is also really striking and kind of haunting as well. Yeah. We hear some dialogue between Asuka's uh, father and stepmother about how Asuka her stepmother doesn't like her very much and finds her weird and off-putting and doesn't can't, and rejects her essentially. And it's yep. a very cold, sterile sort of conversation to overhear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's fucked up. Yeah, I'm. I will be the first one to say this is a little fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just a little, just a there's little a moment. There's a moment where where the, where the stepmother says, you know, I, I can continue. I will continue being your wife, obviously. But there is a universe where I can stop being her stepmother. You yeah. Know, at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, which is an insane damn. thing to overhear as a child. Yeah. For and, sure. I, and also her saying, like, are you ever are you ever scared of her? And that's like, no. <laughs> Why? Yeah. We find out that. Kaji is another surrogate father for Asuka. Um, I like he was for Katsuragi in a way, fulfilling that role for two women, I suppose. And we Asuka's uh, she finds it painful to be alone, even though she wants independence. It's lonely being by yourself. Mm-hmm. And it hurts. Yep. And so this is kind of when we get back on Shinji, and he's told that, "Hey, buddy, this is instrumentality." We will not be taking any questions. <laughs> Do not ask about the tables. 
Um. <laughs> well, he's told that he wished for this. This is the world he wanted. The destruction. The 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 end of everything. Yep. Is what he wanted. The mm-hmm. return to the void. They just said the world is the world is what we give to each other and receive from others. It is it is found in other people. That is what existence is. And that by rejecting the discomfort of the possibility of other people's judgment, by rejecting that, you create your own loneliness and your own pain. And that's what Shinji's going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By, tr- by trying to keep people away, he's making himself hurt. Yeah, which has kind of been a key theme uh, throughout running throughout the entire show. Just him like constantly debating whether he should run away from his issues or not. And, and that's something he's done at least twice now, running away from the Ava program at least twice. And kind of isolating himself from the rest of the world where like kind of like I was talking about with Ray earlier, like he he wants he wants compassion. He wants people to be kind to him. But also at the same time, he feels like he's only useful when I mean, he, he feels like he's only loved when he's useful. But then he's running away from being useful. And then it just became it just creates a constant cycle of like uh, self-sabotage and self-hatred. And it, 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 fu- it fucks this little kid up. This yeah. is a lot for a little 14-year-old to be experiencing. Yeah, I think this episode, especially um, like Smith, you mentioned how every character kind of has a contradiction. And it's and when you're watching it, you're incredibly self-reflective because I think you know people inherently have contradictions. And like, like Ben was just saying, we have these cycles where it's like, oh, yeah, I should do X, Y, Z. Oh, but what about you know this and this and this? What about this? And then you just keep going in that circle. And, and a lot for most people making it actually making a real change as sad as it is to say is very difficult. And we see these characters just go through their, their cycles and get more stuck in them than overcoming them. And it's, it's pretty heavy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The show just has the fucking balls to come out and ask some incredibly heavy questions, like straight up to you. Like, Hey, are you happy? Uh, what is happiness? Can you ever be happy? Will you ever know what happiness yeah. really is? What are other people? Can you know yourself? Like, just it just hits you so hard with these questions, and you have no response. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, imagine walk. Imagine walking into a therapy session, and the first thing they say when you sit down is, "Are you happy? Do you know? Do you, like? Do you know other people? What are people that can you truly experience happiness, or only just?" Uh, or, or can you only just contemplate the emotion of happiness? Like, dude, calm down. I just got in here. Yeah. Who invited this guy to the party? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is happening in your anime robot show. Yeah. Yeah. So, fun fact. This episode was not intended to look like this. Um, they wanted a more traditional episode for 25, but they ran out of money and time. However, episode 26 was supposed to be the way that it is. That is the intended way that the show was supposed to end. That was not mm. a result of running out of budget. They changed a lot from the original idea of what it would look like, which was going to have like a crazy fight on the moon against angels or whatever. Well, that's like different. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was they they cut that part out things. noticeably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about way years before they even got the show made. That was like the first ending written to the show. Um, but once it was finalized, episode what we're going into right now is always what it should have been. Okay, interesting. And so speaking of that, we're on episode 26, which is called The Beast That Shouted I at the Heart of the World, or Take Care of Yourself. Both of which are still good titles, I gotta yeah. say. Yeah. 
And the I wanted to bring your attention to a TV tropes fun fact. So if you're looking at Neon Genesis Evangelion or pretty much any show on TV tropes, you know, you can go through and look at the tropes and information. But you can also do episode recaps, which is what I do for Evangelion. I like to go through and read them and kind of remind because they're very detailed, like moment by moment, like kind of what's going on in the show. Um, helps you when you're doing a podcast, recap yourself. Every single episode has a very detailed recap, except for episode 26, which I will read the recap of in its entirety right now. It is the year 2016. The story reaches its conclusion as Shinji must decide whether to accept or reject instrumentality. Period. End of recap. <laughs> it's missing a couple key details, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Well, the episode starts off saying, like, hey, there's a lot going on, yeah. and we can't cover all that, so we're just going to focus on Shinji. Yep. Mm-hmm. Unlike the rest of the show, we're taking a real focus on Shinji today, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so there's actually been a lot of controversy over, over something here, um, which is the translation of a certain word. Um, the, the show calls it the case of Shinji Ikari, mm-hmm. but some folks say it should be called the trial of Shinji Ikari. Mm-hmm. Um because cases in Japan are similar to what we call trials here in America. Same idea, but a case is more sort of like after the fact here in America, whereas trial is like in the moment and ongoing, which is what we see here. So there's been a lot of this talk over this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see, I can see yeah, that. In, in that case, they should have went the Pink Floyd route and made this entire last episode an actual an actual trial, make it a musical, have all of these figures from his past coming in and singing. <laughs> That'd be good. Another interesting fact about Japan is that the criminal justice system is extremely fucking broken in their country. And if you are arrested and accused of a crime, you will probably be found guilty. Juries mm-hmm. in Japan very rarely find people innocent of crimes, even though even when they have evidence that they did not commit those crimes. Um, that sounds like a very bad place. That sounds like a really fucked up law and order opening. Yeah. In Japan, the criminal justice system system is entirely fucked up. Most of the people committed of crimes will be found guilty. These are if you are committed of a crime, kill yourself immediately. You will be in jail. (laughs) (laughs) A bad fucking prison too. You don't want to go to Japanese prison. It's rough over there, apparently. Yeah. So yeah. So guys, pretty terrifying to disappear, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I gotta say. (laughs) <laughs> um, um, where do we start? So basically, this is the case of Shinji Ikari and his instrumentality, the trial, if you will. Um, and we we once again immediately get into some philosophical principles that are that are because once again the idea behind instrumentality, whether we can define tangibly what it is or not, is that it's a way to fill the void in humans that we're all born with and is innate to being a human try and make us more complete in some way and so one of the first things we immediately get to is um that that people cannot live on their own it's very very hard for people to live a singular lifestyle which i think something we can all attest to pretty easily Mm -hmm. we're pack animals they say yeah and we're also fragile and we need one another to survive. The idea of, again, a pack, a tribe, a, a, a nation or whatever is people leaning on one another to, to, to survive. It's the, the key concept of our civilization. We can't survive apart, but 
Why are we alive? And are we happy to be alive? You keep doing this. You keep asking Oof. these insane questions. I, I will start crying. If yeah. you keep asking me these questions, I will break down. But that that is an interesting point they bring up is uh, we are, like, even though people kind of yearn to be by themselves sometimes, we're still kind of pack animals. We need companionship, which is something interesting because whenever you see or read stories of people who have uh, secluded themselves from the rest of the world and they live up in the mountains or in the or in the woods somewhere completely fending for themselves, most of the time they have, like, a dog or a pet yeah. of some kind. So even though they're by themselves, they still have some form of companionship with them. So I guess that really does ring true that no matter what, you can't truly survive being completely by yourself. Yeah. You go, you go crazy. You go stir crazy. If you're, if you're alone for too long, Mm -hmm. Um, we recently went through a pandemic where people had that same sensation where they were like, I really have a hard time being in a room by myself for 24 hours a day. And uh, yeah, yeah. A, a lot of people learned a lot about themselves over the last few years. Yeah, for sure. It brings to mind uh, the cruelty of solitary confinement in prisons. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. a reason they do. There's, there's a reason that's like the highest form of punishment besides being shot is yeah. um, being put in um, solitary confinement. Because just thinking about solitary confinement makes me fucking scared. Yeah. Just being put in a situation where you have no way to track uh, what time of the day it is, what time it is, how many days or hours or weeks you've been in there. Uh, It's just it's frightening to me. And so Shinji talks about how running away from hurt and pain is itself painful because you are putting yourself away from people and. The lonely. Once again, he keeps, keeps he's he's come back to this this fact. Cause it's important to Shinji and to Anno because this is this is his own you know struggle with depression being yeah. put on the screen. And Shinji doesn't want to run anymore. He says because it just makes him more hurt more. Mm-hmm. So that's not an answer. Yeah, yeah. And also uh, another thing I've noticed about this episode is like you're getting a lot of still shots. Uh, uh, some like reused animation here and there, but also we're starting to get like live action photos getting mixed in with everything too, like real pictures of sidewalks, stop signs, uh, trash on the floor, you know, yeah. just uh, getting a bunch of that mixed in too. And I, the whole time I was trying to figure out, was that put here for a reason or are we just trying to fill space? Because at the time when I was watching this, before I learned that this was obviously how they intended the show to end, apparently the whole time I was thinking, are they just trying to fill space? Do they not have the budget to animate anything yeah. else? So did Anno just go outside with a camera and just take a few snapshots and just it just it just throws them on the timeline? That is what happened, yes. Okay. I was completely yeah. assuming that's what happened. I'm glad this has been confirmed. Okay. All right. But I assume like... I'm assuming they served a purpose, or were they, was it literally there just to fill out the timeline? The blending of the real world into the animated world is a theme we will see uh, later on. Okay. Uh, but yes, it, is, it, is, it does have a purpose, I believe. Okay. So Shinji ha- assumes that he's worthless, and then he also assumes everyone else thinks, thinks the same about him. Yeah. And I'm curious, Seth, did you start to get some PTSD right here? Wait, What? 
Get some, you get some, some flashbacks what? in this part of the show? I'm confused. Because <laughs> this, this is when the cicadas come in. Oh my oh, yeah. fucking God. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were calling him out or something. Yeah, I thought you were like, remember that time you realized everybody hated you, Seth? <laughs> <laughs> remember that time in seventh grade when you came home from school one day and you were like, Smith, do they hate me? <laughs> I look up from Final Fantasy 12. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> no, I did. I did write down um, the phrase "everybody hates Shinji," and I wanted it to be saying in the yeah. "everybody hates Chris" uh, tone. Ben, can you do that for us real quick? Give it to us clean. Everybody hates Shinji. Akari. There we, there we go. That's it. Um, but Seth, I actually found this out today because uh, I was talking about the, the episode with a friend and she was like, oh yeah, cicadas are important in Japanese cinema because they are creatures that appear you know, in the summertime and they usually start to cry out around nighttime. So they symbolize the ending of things, uh, the ending of the day, but also can sometimes be, be thought to represent a return to responsibility or even a loss of innocence. So they, they, they have various symbol, symbolical yeah, like Japanese I said, ever since I noticed it in Evangelion, I've been noticing it in other Japanese stuff too. I uh-huh. think the Evangelion just has a couple episodes where they crank those bitches up high. Yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. this is the sound, baby. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay, I get it. Yeah. And to bring up a uh, perfect blue again, no spoilers, but there was a moment in the show where I heard the cicadas come in, and I just immediately thought of Evangelion, but in perfect blue's case, the volume was just right. It wasn't too loud, it wasn't too low, they were noticeable, but not too much, so I appreciated that. Thank you. Um, and then we start getting a bunch of frames that are just, like, watercolored. They're just, like, mm-hmm. fade up watercolor on canvas. Oh, they look dope. Yeah. Um, but it was, I can, I get, I'm assuming this was a, a cost saving measure. Unless this was, unless those were also intended originally. I'm not sure. Um, but it looked nice. Yeah. Yeah. It looked cool. It looked like the first draft of like, uh, like the manga getting drawn out. Uh, like just throwing in the colors there. It's not filling out the lines completely, but you, you can still make out who everybody is. Also, I love how at this point, everyone's kind of on a plain white backdrop. And that just reminded me of the uh, SpongeBob episode where Squidward goes so far into the future that he's yep. just on a, he's on a white background. And it also, this started to remind me a little bit of that Looney Tunes short, Duck Amuck, where yes. it's just Daffy in front of a blank screen. And he's just fighting the animator the entire time. who keeps drawing and adding stuff to it. But yep. obviously, this is not nearly as goofy as as that <laughs> Looney Tune cartoon. But it, it did kind of remind me of that a little bit. I was waiting for like a pencil to come in at this point and actually draw stuff out. Yeah, there's a part where Shinji looks like he's in the saddest ad scrolling game ever. It's just yeah, Shinji <laughs> on a white plane walking forward, <laughs> depressed. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that Mario never does is get d- d- violently depressed in the middle of the game. Nope. <laughs> Yahoo! I'm a so lonely. <laughs> this Princess Peach really loved me. <laughs> Am I even real? <laughs> Am I the controller of my own will, or am I being controlled by some outside force? <laughs> Yahoo! <laughs> Ben, I just want to know: Do you do you have like a Billy looking in the future? Uh, hmm. Is that is, do you do you do you contain the gift of prophecy, my good friend? 
M- maybe um, in what context this is. So we see a lot of stuff here. He'll try to convince Shinji that he's not worthless, right? Trying to be yeah. like, hey, you just thought that about yourself. And he talks about how he likes Power of the Ava because he gets praised for it. But praise doesn't actually make him happy. That's just, you know, coming again from external sources from people. Um, and Ritsuko, the image of her, tells him that if he lets it, the Ava will define him. And he asks, well, is that, is that okay? Like, can the Ava define me? Can that just be who I am? Yeah. And weirdly enough, and I know this might not be the exact message they're trying to get across, but, you know, technically piloting the Ava is Shinji's job in a way. And it made me think about how, you know, because of the hellscape of capitalism we live in, a lot of us are defined by our job. Mm-hmm. So it, made, it almost made me sit there and be like, man, I really like to most people. Am I just like what my job is? Is that what my my identity is? And it kind of kind of hit home a little bit. I was like, fuck. That would yeah. I don't want that to be what defines me. Yeah, like especially in my case, like I'm not going to go into too much detail about it, but basically I work in like college sports production and like you're with that, you're working nights, you're working weekends. So during the fall and spring semesters of college, that pretty much is your life working 50, sometimes a 60 hour weeks. And you barely have any time to break off, do your own thing, uh, maintain hobbies or anything. So pretty much at that point, you kind of become defined by what you do. All your friends become the people that you work with. And it's so hard to break away from that. So there's definitely jobs in certain cases like that and even more important jobs like firefighter, nurse, doctor, where you can feel like you're kind of defined by that and people only... And it, it, sometimes you can feel like people only want you for your skills. People don't reach out to you unless they need something filmed or if they're feeling sick, you know. So uh, kind of like what Seth said, this this was really hitting close to home. Yeah. We cut to the title and come back to the characters reflecting on times of day and things. Yeah. Like how Shinji says that rain makes him feel down and he hates it. Mm-hmm. and Dusk makes Ray think about the death that she can't ever have and she hates that too I think Asuka says she, mourning is what she hates because she's just going to hate the day yeah. she just knows yeah. um, and then then we get into um, Shinji kind of realizing that you know people make up part of your heart like people that are in your life people that are important to you make up part of your heart which is kind of the point, I'm assuming, kind of the point of instrumentality is, like, once again, they keep hitting on the fact that, you know, we're pack animals, we need other people, there's parts of us, specifically in our heart, that are broken, and those fart- farts, those parts are filled by other people. And so I think, it's like, all this stuff is just driving home the point of the trial of Shinji Akari in his instrumentality, him kind of learning what all this means, while me and Ben are still just like, okay, but what is it though? Yeah. <laughs> Can you just tell me what, what does it, if I'm in the room during instrumentality, what is it? You know, yeah. it, it, like, do it I? involves the, uh, the AT field. Okay. That's okay. something. So I'm guessing everybody. So what I'm guessing is everybody has kind of been somehow brought in to, headquarters because we saw in episode 25 we saw asuka 
uh, like floating around in her Ava in some liquid in the fetal position. So I'm guessing at some point they've all been collected and they're all in the same space. And now somehow they're linking all the wavelengths together. And now they're all going through this collective experience together. And that is somehow bringing on the instrumentality part. But then again, this is just me making assumptions because they're not, he's not telling me shit. Yeah. There's a fucking hard ass line here, which is you are you, but there's a distinction between you and what it means to be you. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck, Ray? What are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> like, Ray, can you just be cool for a second, please? Yeah. <laughs> Calm down. Um, yeah, they talk. They talk about how if if everything is nothing, then you're totally free, right? That's just complete freedom. Mm-hmm. I, I guess, yeah. But it's also scary and induces anxiety, and so you impose limits on yourself, and that creates both limitations, but also uh, uh, stability and and comfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is stuff is so heavy. It, may, yeah. it just re- really get, makes me get inside my own head about you know being in your comfort zone and all the stuff that you know I kind of think about on my own in solitude up here by myself every day. Yeah. And not having someone say it at me makes mm-hmm. it even worse. Yeah, at the end of this whole experience, I I've never been this close to actually reaching out to try to find a therapist. Because, you know, <laughs> just having all of these questions thrown at me in my, dire- in my direction, they, they really make me think, even though they're not directly posed at me, they're posed more at the characters we're watching, you can't help but kind of intercept some of that. You can't help but kind of be grazed a little bit by it. Yeah. Ben sits down on the therapist's couch, and they're like, so what brings you here? And he's like, well, I watched this show called Neil and Dylan. And she's like... <laughs> All right, hold on. She gets a bigger oh, notebook. Yeah. All right. Yep, a bigger <laughs> folder. Uh, we've been All here right. before. All right. Was it also for a podcast? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Okay. You hear that a lot. <laughs> You're the sixth one today. Yeah. Yep. We have a different folder for podcasts and video essays, so I have to be sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and this is where we get the sort of blank page and the drawing the line to create the horizon. Really cool, like, depiction of animation, using animation to show sort of, like, shifting perspectives and all this kind of interesting stuff. And then we get to the best part of the episode. Oh, God. I think this, I'm not, I'm not skipping past anything, am I? You're uh, pretty much, but they, they do have one thing real fast. They say, this is a great line as well, um, you learn your shape by looking at and comparing to others. Which is mm-hmm. just yep. another thing that just really, really Ooh. stabbed me right in my damn heart. You know, mm-hmm. fucking slayed me. Which is why I'm glad we get to the good part of the episode finally. <laughs> because, boys, what are we here? We're back in. And this alternate reality manga that Smith told us about last week has been envisioned on the show. Freaking. I was not expecting that at all. I knew you told us about it. I wasn't expecting to see it in action. I wasn't expecting to see it fully animated out, rendered. It, it, I, was, I was flabbergasted. <laughs> but also just hearing that music again, it felt like, you know, you're stuck in a dark cave for a while. You're crawling out and you see the first signs of light. And you're just like, oh, oh my God, freedom, yeah. <laughs> brightness. 
Um, and the first time that I ever watched Evangelion, I had a very hard time laughing at any of the, se- the jokes in this segment because I had just been pelted about all these philosophical questions. This time I was able to have a much more much more fun time. Um, but yeah, it's it's great. It is honestly an amazing show. Asuka is like waking Shinji up for school. She apparently does it every day because they've been childhood friends. And but she you know she's still loud and kind of mean. She she uncovers him and he has a you know a morning boner and then she gets crushed out like oh you pervert. It's like <laughs> you you uncovered me though. It just happened. <laughs> and she slaps him for it. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> Um, so you two are are not big anime watchers, so I cannot stress to you enough how p- pitch fucking perfect a parody this is of your typical anime. Like, they were sending that concept up, and they did it so fucking well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's... Every, every joke here is based on that. Yeah. yeah, and so one incredible thing I want to point out is that, you know, obviously, since it's like this alternate reality manga you talked about, he lives at home with his parents. Yui and Gendo are both just chilling in the kitchen, having fun. And I'm not sure if you guys picked up on this, but Gendo has a catchphrase in this sitcom. And it's simply, yeah, I know, Yui. He says <laughs> it like two or three times. And it is amazing. <laughs> yep. And is it... Go ahead. I was saying, another great thing is that I think this was a budgetary thing, but his mouth is still covered in this segment, but by a newspaper instead of by his hands. It's a good way to like show the domesticity of this version of Gendo. Yeah. Yeah, I got a question. Has Ray ever run in this show before this scene? I don't. (laughs) I don't know how she moves because I I don't think we ever really see her. We we never really see her move on screen. I think every time we cut to her. Like, if she is moving, she's on, like, the escalator, and she's being propelled forward. I don't think... What if, I don't I don't know if we've ever seen her walk, now that I'm really thinking about it. I what if she moved like the Incredible Hulk in those old cartoons, where it just looked like he was on wheels, where he, every time he walked, he just moved forward on his toes? Because, again, I cannot stress enough how very fucking generic and typical the girl running to school with a piece of toast in her mouth is mm-hmm. in anime. It's incredibly on point. Yeah. And this early, too. This early, they get they hit this. And, they, and you would think that after they saw this, people who make anime would be like, oh, shit, fuck, they got our number. Mm-hmm. We can't do this anymore. They still do it. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> it's kind of like how when a Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story came out, you would think people watch that. It's like, well, we can't make our movie biopics like this anymore. We got to try a little harder. No, you got movies like bohemian rhapsody still coming out doing every goddamn thing they made fun of in that movie so <laughs> you're right if it were like it, it, if it works they're never gonna change it unfortunately yeah. and the logistics of the scene are so funny to me because you know shinji's over here like oh there's a new transfer student hopefully she's a cute girl and asuka gets all mad about it and we find out that rei ayanami but the thing that's so weird to me is that they're both going to the same school but they're running like Shinji and Asuka are running one way and then Ray runs directly into Shinji, but shouldn't they all be running in the same direction? Cause isn't the school the same direction from where they are now? So it's just like a funny sitcom thing. You're yeah. not supposed to think about it, obviously, yeah. but like yeah. it doesn't make any, why does Ray does not know where school is and she's running the opposite direction. Yeah. And it's also weird seeing Shinji just at like a normal 
a regular teenage boy talk, uh, talking about like you know women just in general, and also seeing Ray actually animated and her voice actor actually having to you know perform. Uh, yeah. it, like, it feels weird hearing Ray's voice actor give her so much character. Like it sounds yeah. like a completely different human being. Yeah, she's emoting for the first time yeah. in the show. Um, and Shinji's just hanging out with the boys. Yep, yeah. Shinji, Toji, Ida over here. Talking, they're like, oh, did you get a peek at her panties? And he's like, yeah, a little bit. I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> There's no way you did, Shinji. <laughs> and we get complete remake of the Katsuragi pulling up to the school shot from earlier in the show. But this time, she's the teacher. And they're all hot for teacher now. Yeah. Yeah, even Sh- and even Shinji has it going. Yep. It's funny how it's the exact same. They change nothing. Yep. She comes in the exact same way, she same p- outfit. parks the in the most deal. insane way possible. Yep. It's great. And when when she introduces Ray to the class, I got chills. Like literally chills hearing that hearing that noise come out of Ray's mouth yes. was crazy. Mm-hmm. And they changed the art style again to where it's like almost like watercolors and like markers now. Well, if you actually look, each frame starts to get less and less detailed yeah. and defined. The background fades, the characters get rougher, mm-hmm. color starts to be only it's slightly It's just like applied. little blobs everywhere. Yeah. Right. And because we're pulling out to see Shinji being like, oh shit, that's a universe I could exist in? Interesting. I was so happy when this moment happened because when all this was happening, my first thought was, oh, this is why everyone's pissed off at the ending. It was revealed that everything was a dream. And now we're living in the actual reality of Shinji Ikari. And he's been pulling all these characters into his weird mecha robot um, monster dream. But So when I saw him, like, oh, this is just one of the potential realities, I was like, oh, thank God. It would be great if later in the ep- later in the classroom we see Shinji drawing his own little manga and it's all the Evangelion. <laughs> and, then he, and then he closes the cover and it says Neon Genesis Evangelion. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that'd be, that'd, be, that'd be dope. And then the teachers are calling out names. It's like, Ano, Hideki, here, fade to black, in credits. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, goddamn. So we're back to um, the auditorium where the various characters are talking to Shinji, talking about how there are as many truths as there are people. Yeah. And you don't form your own opinions. You get them from other people. They tell you what to think, and you incorporate those into yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And the entire time during this last, like, four or five minutes, they're playing a, a more slowed-down version of the theme song, and mm-hmm. holy shit. I'm like, there's time. There's times when I thought, rewind, because I realized I was paying more attention to the song than the dialogue. Because, mm-hmm. oh my god, it sounds, it sounds so good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's real good. It's a great version of this song. Mm-hmm. Um... And yeah, the and also just so you know that that theme is being played on a certain instrument. Can you guess what it is? Uh, synth, piano, uh, no cello. The cello, yeah, cello. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. There we go. <laughs> um. So yeah, they they they're like, hey, there's no one truth. People are malleable. Things change. People, their their opinions change basically. And yeah. Shinji assumed everyone hated him because he hates himself. And he can't trust anyone because of that assumption. Mm-hmm. And once again, you know, sometimes they're just twisting the knife deeper into 
yeah. some of our most intrusive thoughts here. Yeah. Um, but then Shinji realizes it's okay for him to be in this world. Mm-hmm. And he gets a huge round of applause from everyone. <laughs> we get some imagery of glass shattering, mm-hmm. yes. which represents a thing we'll get into in the ne- in the movie. Yeah, the arrival yeah. of a Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. <laughs> this, two episodes in a row where we've made a reference to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Is, yeah. is Shinji is this Ikari. <laughs> coincidence? Anno 316? Maybe. <laughs> Says I just made you cry. It's the 18th angel. <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> Shows up with a giant chair and just, just smacks shit out of Unit 1. Down. His, his, it was Stone Cold Stunner. <laughs> yep. People are, people are, instead of big guns, they're throwing big ass beer cans at it. <laughs> Smash them together. Dousing yep. Tokyo yep. 3 with beer with Steve Weiser. It's, it's all LCL, though, in the, in, in the cans. Yeah. <laughs> Chugging LCL. <laughs> Fantastic, guys. We need to write this right now. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine showing Stone Cold Steve Austin this show? I want to see. I, I, I want to be in the room when Stone Cold Steve Austin is watching Neon Genesis Evangelion. I want to sit down with him. I want to show him all 26 episodes. <laughs> I want to assume he's already seen it. I don't know why, but I just want to, in my head, Stone Cold seen this. Mm-hmm. Someone in his life, someone like a, 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 I don't know if he has like a, a child or somebody is like, they're like, hey, dad, you should watch Neon Genesis Evangelion. He's like, okay, for you, bud. Yeah. I mean, like, there, there were some like secret nerds on the road, like in the in the locker room back in the day. I'm sure somebody had had the tapes when they were being released. And they would and they would all gather around in the hotel room and watch the newest tapes as they would come out. And I'm sure he was part of the bunch. That's good. Just thinking about like it reminds me of like when you found out that um to prepare for Creed three, Michael B. Jordan showed uh Jonathan Majors Naruto mm-hmm. uh to yeah. describe their character's relationship. But also reminds me of Fast and Furious. Because a while back, maybe like maybe like four or five years ago, or maybe longer than that even, Vin Diesel posted a video of two characters in World of Warcraft running around together in Tanaris Desert, and it was him and Paul Walker's characters. Yeah. And they played together, and he, when he made Paul Walker play World of Warcraft with him, and power leveled him through dungeons <laughs> to show him the game. <laughs> Can you, I just like imagine Paul Walker being like, all right, Vin wants to do it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see what's going on here. Do we think we'll that get closer as stars? Do we think that Jonathan Majors internalized some of the wrong stuff from Naruto? <laughs> he got you some of the wrong mess. That? Maybe a little bit, yeah. <laughs> from what I saw in the interview, his takeaway was okay. Yeah. <laughs> he did not understand. Yeah. It sucks that that guy's a piece of shit because his reaction to anime was just like, well, yeah, I saw two people who were in conflict. And I'm like, okay, right. be yeah. a little more specific, please. That could be literally anything. Yeah. Any piece of media. Except for the old man in the sea, which is about man versus fish. Yes. Yeah. It's like Moby Dick. It's a simple man, a simple story about a man who hates a fish. No, no symbolism, <laughs> no nothing else. Nope. Yep. And the worst part is, not even a fish. Nope. It's a mammal. Um, but yeah, you're, congratulations is how we end this fucking show. Yeah, and, and listeners, if you're for some reason watching the, listening to this without watching the show, we're not vamping because we're getting ready for the big conclusion. This is the conclusion. Yeah. Everyone says congratulations and claps for Shinji, and, the, and then he says, 
thank you and thank the credits you. fucking roll <laughs> the whole time i was waiting for the super smash brothers voice to come in like like you just be classic mode congratulations <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good impression thank you, you. That on the road <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> um but yeah that's it and thankfully for us and I don't know, maybe, maybe some of the audio will be usable at some point. Ben uploaded his immediate reaction to it for us to, to watch. He was giggly. He was having a good time. So Ben, now that you've had some time to reflect, mm-hmm. how do you how do you feel about the way that this show ended? And let's say that there weren't there's not a movie after this that you know about that's gonna maybe fix some of or change some of this stuff. How are you feeling about the end of the show and its conclusion? I think it would have been something that I would have grown to appreciate later on. But if I mm-hmm. was watching this live as it aired and it ended like that, I would have been pissed. I would have burned this mother down. <laughs> I would have been so upset. I would have I think I would have appreciated what they were trying to do even to this day like I appreciate what they were doing up until that ending. If the last 2 minutes could have went could have gone a little different. I feel like it could have salvaged this episode because they had something good going. But I think ending it with everyone circling around Shinji, literally applauding and saying congratulations, I think that was the wrong way to end this. <laughs> but yeah, if I was watching this live as it aired, I was like sitting in front of my TV watching this, I would have been I would have been upset. Not like so, not like writing death threats to Ano upset, but I feel like I would I would be upset. I'd be like, well, that sucked. <laughs> and Smith, I know you've out of the three of us definitely read and experienced the most discourse by the ending of this show. So, at, how about you? After all these years and all the stuff you've read, all the opinions you've seen, where where do you lie on the conclusion to the original run of Evangelion? Um, I think it's I think it's definitely super ambiguous and you're allowed to draw your own conclusions of what happened. And it, but if it hadn't been for the movie that comes out after this and Evangelion to sort of like fill in some gaps, I feel like there would the show would probably be have a different legacy in people's minds than it does now. Um, because death threats are what happened. People threatened mm. to come and burn down Gainax's offices over this episode, or the, the conclusion of the show. People were fucking pissed, and Anno thought that, that everyone hated the show. Like, even when they were airing it, he thought he hated it. Like, he, he really was putting himself out there as Shinji Ikari. He had low confidence in the whole, in the show being appreciated. So, the reaction to the ending validated his his thoughts, and it sent him into a depressive spiral for a while. Hmm. Interesting. And so, one thing I've I've always wondered about the show since I haven't seen anything past this besides the first Rebirth movie, um, is and without anything spoiler, obviously, do you know like what the process was between the ending of this show and them deciding to make the movie End of Evangelion? Like, what was was there just enough fan support that like we got to do this or was there something else um that, that spurred this on basically they already had things that should have happened in the show they had to cut for time and for budget reasons and so they were like the show was a huge mega hit everyone was was wanting more and they said hey can you do more and once anno crawled out of his fucking hole 
and was like, okay, sure. Well, let's see if we can give them a different ending that might be more satisfactory. And so they did. They took the the concepts they had for episodes 25 and 26 and that were cut and reworked them into the movie. Um, basically, it was just a shit ton, a ton of cash came their way. Um, but also Gainax was a very mismanaged company. A lot of shit went to waste over there because Anno is a creative and not a manager. And so it took a little bit of time to get that off the ground. Um, also dealing with, again, the fact that he was massively depressed and they had to stop working for a while because of death threats coming to the office. Mm. Wow. And another TV tropes fun fact is that the um, last two episodes of Evangelion are the trope maker for a trope called the Gynax ending, mm. which is defined by an ending that does not make sense. <laughs> or does make sense if it is hidden under enough mind screw mind screwery um, that does not have an easy explanation. Um, and it is it is a complete um, uh, creator for this trope. Well, my question for you two is: What do you think happened? What is the ending of the show representing? Hmm, that's a good question, and it's it's weird because we don't see any kind of chronology after Kaoru's head snapped or at least until at least after um Shinji and Katsuragi have that conversation after he kills him so I truly I mean I know I do know we find out that finds out that this happens in 2016 the final episode at least um but I it's it's one of those things because the only bits of what could be reality that I recall from the last two episodes are that conversation between Katsuragi and Shinji and then the dead bodies of Ritsuko and Katsuragi, which once again might not even be real to Ben's point, but it's the only thing, only real flashes of what I believe are reality. And then the Gendo conversation as well with um, Rei. Um, but other than that, we don't get a lot of like, this is, by the way, this is what's happening in the world you're used to seeing from the previous, you know, 24 episodes. So, I think, because, like, you know, Kaoru was supposed to be the final angel, which means we're now done with the angels and we can move on to human instrumentality. So, I really think that he snaps Kaoru's head off, everyone has their thing, and then kind of like Ben said, I think Gendo finds a way, rounds everybody back up, and is just like, well, here's the first first run of whatever instrumentality is, whatever, wherever they do it, this is the first run. Um, and because now I'm done with all this angel shit, I've got, I've got new stuff to work on. That's my best guess as to what could have happened from the moment that Shinji kills Kaoru to now. Yeah. Like that, because none of this is really happening in the physical world. I definitely feel like this is going on in everybody's head. And I feel like some way it's either just Shinji um, either like he's been sedated or something and this is just everything and it's like weaving a story part three or it's like like i suggested earlier everybody kind of together sharing the same uh uh headspace is sharing the same uh brain wavelengths because obviously all the things that avas can do they could i'm not the least surprised that they could maybe link everybody's mind together making a big like brain stew uh if you will 
but like it's very ambiguous. Like it, it, it is really left up to the viewer's interpretation of what really happens here. For all we know, after this whole congratulation bit off screen, Shinji gets lobotomized or whatever. You know, it could be like a sucker punch ending. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily go that route, but it's very ambiguous. It doesn't really give us much of an answer other than Shinji finally finds, like, inner peace, I would guess. What a world that would be. Yeah. You know what? Watching some of these, it made me think, I would kind of... I kind of wish we would have a story where people were just a little nicer to Shinji and sh- and he actually got along better with some of these characters like an Asuka or a Rei, you know. Well, Ben, I have the show for you. It's called Gurren Lagann. And, and we, one day we'll get there. Yes. I'm, hey, I think, we sh- I think we might podcast that one as well. It's, it's good. It's very good. That's like, that's the cream of the crop for me as far as anime goes. Hmm. If Evangelion is a deconstruction of the mecha uh, genre, uh, Gurren Lagann is a reconstruction of it. Yeah. It's building it back up. Gurren Lagann is basically what you just said, Ben. It's kind of like, you know what? What if we had fun? <laughs> what, what if instead of being sad, we just had a good time with these big-ass robots? What if these characters actually liked each other? Yeah, there's a good bit of that. Okay. Um, so, yeah. What if Shinji had an actual support structure in his life? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess for some of the other stuff, uh, especially regarding these characters, there's like different mangas and girlfriend simulators I can go to. I can go to for answers uh, answers in that. But I don't. I don't think I'm going to touch those girlfriend simulators. Uh, I think I'm. I'm not. I'm not the right age for those. Yeah. Because you can I, bring it up as if we're putting a gun to your head. You're like, oh, they're forcing me to play it. I guess I have to go install it and play it for hours. I, spent, I don't want to do this. Yeah, I said they told me don't get a don't get a ROM rip. You get the actual physical copy. I spent two hundred dollars on this. I can't even <laughs> read it. It's all in Japanese. But here I am doing it for the podcast. <laughs> doing the Kauru route. <laughs> Kauru percent. Not a joke. Real thing in the video game. You can you can date Kaoru. Yeah. From what I've heard. Or sorry, befriend <laughs> Kaoru. Oh yeah. Befriend, yeah. <laughs> um Yeah. Needless to say, th- this is one of the most ambiguous endings to a, a story ever, and a lot of interpretations have come out. I mean I have mine, and I'll probably get into it once we actually watch the movie, because I, I don't want to say anything about like if have all that information there. Yeah, I'll, we can we can give ourselves some more context, but yeah, that, even though it does not feel like it in any way, is us wrapping up the original run of one of the most beloved anime of all time before we see the, uh, the true ending, I guess. Oh, we've still got a couple movies to go through before we get to the I mean, the yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's yes. We're, we're unlocking the, the endings way. as we go. Technic- yeah, technically, yeah. we got five more movies left. Yeah? Yes. Quite a few to get through. Um... Yeah, we'll forget the rebuild. I have so many things out of the, the background of the rebuild movies, but uh, yeah, just know that for this, the fan reaction was not positive uh, in, in most of the way. People not did not like what happened here. Mm. Oh, yeah, fans are the worst. That is true. Mm-hmm. Even for good things, fans are the worst. That's the crazy thing to me is like, there can be a good show or musical artist or movie, and the fans will still suck. I'm like, what the heck? Just yeah. let something be good. I don't know. 
it's like uh, Breaking Bad, you know, people who are just like don't understand Walter Watts a villain or whatever. Yeah, and just like he was a cool dude. Yeah, he was like, dude. Skyler sucks, dude. What the fuck? If I was her, I'd be fucking swimming in money, bitch. He's just trying to support his family. Yeah, dude, he's fucking science. Dude. Are you? Oh, you hate education now? You think public <laughs> educators are the bad guys? <laughs> or my uh, my favorite one is uh is Mad Men. Like Don Draper, cool alpha male, definite role model, doesn't break down and cry when confronted with his past in his yeah. room by himself. I'm like, yeah, people who idolize Don Draper. I'm like, did we watch the same show? Mm-hmm. I am. I'm so confused by these by the people out there, but they're there. You'll be happy to know that no one idolizes Shinji Ikari. Okay, good. Except Ben. Ben said he's a role model earlier. So, <laughs> well, I, I didn't necessarily. I didn't necessarily say that. I just I meant that like we 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 may be on the same wavelengths when it comes to certain things, and I that's not necessarily a good thing. But he see that he is a representation of the flaws that I see in myself, and therefore you know I feel I don't see him as a role model, but I feel more connected to him than any other character in the show. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh, also, I, I teased this a while back. There is a character in the show that represents Anno's father. Can you guess who it is? It's not. Is the character male? Yes. It's not. And he's not Gendo. Yeah, it's not Gendo. Uh, Toji? Yes, Toji Suzuhara actually represents Gendo's father because he loses his left leg. And uh, Anno's father lost his left leg as well in an industrial accident when he was a child. Really? You think that you think that Anno was a child? You think Anno might see you as a father figure, Smith? <laughs> <laughs> yes. If you're listening, Mister Anno, if you I, were in the I same am, room, father, Anno might try to impress you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He would look at me and be like, "This is a guy right here." He would pull you aside. It's like, "Come on, I'll show you the true ending of Evangelion." <laughs> yeah, the one that no one's seen. But yeah, I was. It was very interesting to learn that 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 was what his his father is supposed to be wow. in the uh, in the show. I was just throwing a shot in the dark out there. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, know. I was gonna say Fuyutsuki, but mm. apparently it's. I was. I really thought. It wasn't gonna be a trick question. It was gonna be like Ray Ayanami or something. It was gonna be like a. It was gonna be a female character, um, but okay, that makes sense too. Mm. Also, Toji is kind of modeled after Anno's father, like physically and Anno himself, because Anno is from the the, the countryside of Japan. It has a sort of more tanned complexion yeah. than you see in like city folk, uh, which is what Toji represents in the in the show. Mm. Okay, and kind of a working a working man. Uh, interesting. Interesting. Wow. So yeah, fun fun little fact there, fun tidbit. And that is the end of Evangelion, but not the end of Evangelion, end of Evangelion, the Mm -hmm. end of the Evangelion TV show, Mm -hmm. Um, which is not confusing at all that they named the movie End of Evangelion, Um, makes it it so easy to talk about the last two episodes. Um, But yeah, so Ben, overall, before we've seen the movie, what is your, if you had to give it out of out of five uh, human hearts going through the instrumentality program, what, what are you what are you feeling right now? Um, I would give it uh, I would give it a four point nine. Wow! Uh, because like just uh, up until those last two minutes there, 
which like for the most part, I was on board with those last two episodes, but I feel like the congratulations probably wasn't the way that didn't really stick the landing for me personally. Uh, but mm. everything else leading up to that, I thought was extraordinary. And yeah. it because all the anime that I've really seen growing up, it's all action focused. And, like, you never get a moment in Dragon Ball Z where we step back and analyze Goku really as a character. Goku's like, am I, am I real? <laughs> am, I, am I happy? Yeah. Uh, what I, is a sensor bean? Yeah. Do I like being a father? Because obviously I like my, obviously I like my children, but I'm never around for them. I missed every significant part <laughs> of the, of the growth process. But do, do, yeah. but I, I think I like my kid. You never get any moments like that. And though, and like that, maybe, maybe in like Naruto a little bit. I don't know. I haven't really watched a lot of Naruto past like the original run. Uh, but in a lot of like, a lot of the anime I've seen, it's definitely more action driven, action focused. And, and this one, you get some cool action, but it's definitely more character driven. It's character, it's more character focused. In this wild, in this, in this wild, expansive world, you spend more time with inside the minds of all of these main characters. And there's not as much action in there as you would think so, but they make up for it, which is stunning cinematography, just the art and the animation, just like, like we've said it many times, there are still so many stills in this show that you could just separate and hang on a wall, make it your, like make it your uh, wallpaper on your, on your desktop you know, just there's there's a lot of great things about the show and you can see how you can see why it's as influential as it is. It's one of those things where you can go back. Sometimes you go back and watch something and you're like, oh, I've already seen everything that this is already uh, influenced and it's, it's, it feels a little overrated now. I don't think it's that way. I don't think that's the case for Neon Genesis Evangelion. I feel like it's still it holds up magnificently. And it's definitely up there with one of the greatest things I've ever watched. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I agree. It's a, it's an exceptional uh, piece of media. It, it sets up a lot of the, the tropes that we've, we, we know and love in, in, in and out of anime and also within just sci-fi shows in general, philosophical uh, programming. So yeah, I'm, I'm very happy that Ben's enjoyed the original run. And now I'm happy to step into what is mostly unknown for me. Um, and Smith is going to just be standing over us the whole time. Little <laughs> puppet master telling us what's important and asking some interesting yep. questions. Ben is doing a Gendo pose to send off mm-hmm. the original run of the show. That, that, that'll be Smith when he's watching us react yep. to everything that's coming up. Yeah. It's going to be great. All, All right. Boys will. That has been the Illennials podcast. I am Smith. You can find me on Twitter at MCSurf. I'm Seth. Thinking about the stuff that I write on indistinct-chatter.io. And I'm Ben. You can find me on almost any social media at the Ben Powell. Uh, follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash the Ben Powell. Our art is done by Marcus Barkley, who is taking a hiatus, but will hopefully one day be back on the podcast. Mm-hmm. God, God rest his soul. And our theme song was done by some guy. Uh, what's his name again? Some asshole, really. <laughs> he hasn't updated it in years. <laughs> it's been five years. I'll, I'll, I'll add new clips at some point. Like I, I, there we go. I know there have what been... What if Ben reclips in? It's only his, his <laughs> voice from these episodes. <laughs> 
It'll be me talking about or the it. Evangelion uh, themed dildos from a couple episodes back. <laughs> That's the only thing I'll add. Nothing, every everything else remains unchanged. That's fine. <laughs> well, I'll say this: you can lead a Shinji Akari to the Human Interstellar Project. You can't make him uh, uh, undergo it. Um, fuck budgetary limitations. <laughs> And toxic fans. Yes. We have stopped trying to run away from our problems because of the hurt and pain they cause us and instead are going to embrace them. And from the weakness in my heart all the way to your human instrumentality project, this has been the Millennials Podcast, baby. We're out. Out. Bye.